0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope everyone is doing fabulous now that the fire, the Holy Ghost has come down and he's touched us and he's restored us and he's replenished us. I hope that now that you are ready for an awesome word, I believe uh, that God has a great word that will help you to think because I know when God spoke this to me, um, it was definitely a critical point in my walk with God and it really helped me to think about my thoughts and to think about how I see things. So, our message today is going to be, why do you doubt me? Now, this is God asking us, why do you doubt me? Stop doubting me and believe. So, God wants to know, why are you doubting me, my children? Okay, so y'all ready to go for a little walk in the Bible? Because I'm going to take you to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, and then back to the Old Testament, okay? So I hope you brought your Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and one of our ushers will get one to you, because you need to have a Bible. So we're going to start in Habakkuk, and then we're going to move to Hebrews, and then we're going to move to Proverbs. All right, so we're going to start with Habakkuk, chapter 2, 2 through 3. Then the Lord answered, to, answered me and said, Write the vision. Uh-huh. In other words, when God gives us a vision, we need to write it down yeah. and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, which means it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen next week, next month, next year. But at the end, it will. It will, it doesn't say it might, it doesn't say it's possible, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Boy, that right there makes you so wanna get your shout on right there. I'm telling you what. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Because he knows the perfect time. Because it's his will. It's not our will. It's his will being done, right? All right. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So basically, we need to stop looking with our natural eyes and start looking with our spiritual eyes, right? All right. Go back to the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm going to give y'all's finger a workout this morning. <laughs> so, the next one is going to be Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust, not doubt. Trust in the Lord with all, not some of it, not a little bit of it, not half of it, all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Oh, my goodness. Is that not what gets us in trouble? I don't know about you, but I want to know the ifs, the whens, the hows, the buts. How's it going to go? What time it's going to happen? What I need to wear? What I need to eat? I'll tell you what. I'm just putting my laundry out before you because that's how I am. We like to control. I think we all do. If you say, oh, I don't like to control, you're lying to yourself. And since you're in the house of the God, don't lie. Because God go you out, right? <laughs> so <laughs> lean not on, on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. So saints of God, he's directing you. He's got you. All you have to do is trust in him. Not lean on your own insight or understanding. And he will lead you. He will guide you. And this word, I wanted to do this because I wanted to show you, we come to a crossroads in our walk with God. So you have one or two directions you can go, but you can only choose one. You notice there's not a middle road here. So you have to choose, am I going to turn left and go into doubt? Or am I going to choose right and go into belief? You can't, you can't do both. You can't doubt a little and believe a little. You either believe or you doubt and this word I got to tell y'all I'm just going to share a little bit of my life to tie this message in to encourage you because I believe that the word is even more powerful when people are transparent and they share with you their heart and I want you to understand my heart. I want you to understand the things that God's been showing me and what God said to me because the Lord rebuked me. But it wasn't out of anger, it was grief. And see what happened, about five years ago, the Lord called me into the children's hospital to help children that are sick and hurting. And I didn't want to go in the hospital. I'm a germaphobe. I hate germs. I pray, I'm the type, I'll pray for you. If I hear you're sick, I'll go go in my room and I'll pray for you. And when you're feeling better, then I'll come. And that was how I was. That was just me. I know that's not nice, but that's kind of how I was. I cared about you, but I cared about you in the other room. You know, you sneezing and you got all that stuff going on over there. Oh, yes, I'll be praying for you. I'll be on my knees. But coming and, like, visiting people, it it gave me the heebie-jeebies. I hated it. And the reason was because I went through a horrible health crisis. And for 10 months, I was sick, and they didn't know what was wrong with me. So mentally, I thought I picked up some horrible bug and that I was dying. So because of that, I developed a stronghold of fear of germs. So I didn't want to go in the hospital. So when God called me in the hospital, of course, I'm warring with them back and forth. Like, okay, Lord, are you sure? You know me. I'll, I'll go to the worst neighborhood and help children. I'll go to after school, I'll go anywhere, just don't send me to the hospital. But he called me into the hospital. And as I got in the hospital, he birthed a a ministry in my heart called Operation Cheer Up a Child, and that's to make crafts for children who were sick and hurting. And of course, when God revealed it to me, of course, I was doubting and questioning, well, God, how am I going to do this? God, you know that I'm not... uh, a corporate type person. I'm not a business type person. You know, so I'm giving them all my lists of why I can't and why would you call me? And this is crazy. But I knew that he was telling me to do it. So I just prayed and just started doing my part. But what's been so hard is the lack of support that I've received from the hospital and from other people. And it's been very hard because I'm like, God, I know that you said this, but why does it seem like when I look out, nobody cares? Nobody seems to want to help. No matter how many times I ask, no matter what I do, it's like trying to get people to help is like pulling teeth. And it's so hard because I'm like, God, I know you said this, and I know people have a heart for children, but why does it seem like that help is lacking on my part? Why does it seem like people don't care? And I'm not saying people don't, but it seems that way, you know? And, And it started to cause me to doubt. It started to cause me to be discouraged. And the Lord just would speak to me about different things in the hospital, that he called me into leadership in the hospital, that he called me to do Bible studies for the nurses and doctors that are in the hospital because they need encouragement and and they need that prayer. And then, of course, I would think, well, God, I'm just a volunteer they just look at me as the sweet lady who comes in a couple hours a week to give of her time. And that's how I was thinking. And I was, in the way it was like, I knew it was God speaking to me, but in the way I'm like, but God, I'm just a volunteer. I can't, I can't, I don't have that education to be in leadership. You know, I I don't have the skills to run the business. We're always giving him our excuses and why we can't. And, I remembered as I was preparing, I was trying to think, Lord, what is it you want me to preach to your people? Because you know what they need to hear, and I had no clue what to say to you guys. I'd just gotten back from a trip. I was jet lagged. I was tired, and I had no idea. So I needed to relax because my mind was going. And I was, as I was sitting in the bathtub, just relaxing and just listening to music. God brought to my remembrance everything He'd promised me through my ministry in the hospital. And he showed me like pictures as I was walking down in the hospital of the different things that he called me to do. And it was like this joy rised up in my heart again. And I was like, wow, God, thank you. Because sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get so busy looking at what I see or what I perceive that I forget what God had really said to me. And the pictures were beautiful and they were breathtaking. And then I heard God speak to my spirit. And he said to me, Yes, I have called you to do these things. This is me speaking. But why do you doubt me? Why do you continue to unbelieve what I say? Why do you continue to waver? Why do you continue to question? Why do you continue to put yourself down? Why do you continue to allow what other people say or their reactions or your own thoughts dictate what I said to you? I am God. If I said it, will I not make it good? If I called you to do these things, it will come to pass. And what I need you to do, my child, is I need you to stop looking at what you think you see with your own eyes. And I need you to put your eyes back on me and focus on what I told you to do. And saints of God, when the Lord spoke that to me, of course, I was like in tears. I was repenting. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. And you know, guys, when he gave that word to me, he wasn't angry with me. It was more grief. It was more like he's crying out, why do my people doubt me? Why do you continue to doubt me? Have I not been good to you all the days of your life? Have I always kept my word to you? Wow. Have, I, have I ever left you nor forsaken you? Have I ever left you? Because no, he hasn't. He hasn't, saints of God, and he never will. He loves us. He so loves us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. But sometimes when we go through, sometimes it's easy to, to, to feel as if God forgot. Yeah. And sometimes you stand there and you're like, uh, hi, God. Do you remember me? <laughs> Do you remember me, God? But he does remember you, saints of God, and he's never forgotten about you. And that word encouraged me and inspired me. And it started changing my thoughts. Because whenever those negative thoughts would come, I would hear God whisper in my spirit, Why are you doubting me? Why are you doubting me? And it just rang in my spirit. And so I knew that this was a message that I needed to deliver. Because this word was for me personally. But I believe it's also for the church. Because we all struggle with doubt. We all struggle yeah. with doubt. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what title you have. Yeah. I don't care how, how many times a day you pray. That doesn't matter. We all, because we have this flesh. Yeah. And, and we all tend to look with our natural eyes. And that gets us in trouble. <laughs> that so gets us in trouble. And I just wanted us to look at um, our next slide, Max, if you put that up. Doubt. This, this Tadzo, I think is how you say it in Greek, and it means to be uncertain about, considered questionable or unlikely, hesitate to believe, to distrust, to be filled with fear, oh my goodness, Woo, that's been a hot zone for me, and be apprehensive, to waver, to hold confidence from, my oh my, so when we doubt God, that's exactly what we're doing, If you're feeling fearful and anxious, you may have to really think about what you're meditating on. Faith comes through hearing. So what are you hearing? Are you hearing God and the word of God? Or are you hearing your own negative thoughts? And I'm not even going to blame the devil on this because this is something we're doing to ourselves. The devil don't even have to attack you if you're attacking yourself. If you're speaking death to yourself and saying, I can't I can't do it, I'm not educated enough, I, I, I don't have a title, the devil's like, hey, I don't even need to bother with her. She's beating herself up enough, I don't even need to bother. And God just stands back. Because what you're doing is when you start operating in that, you're taking his hand off the situation. And you're trying to take care of it yourself. And it grieves his heart, saints of God, because he wants to help you. He wants to elevate you, but he can't as long as you're putting yourself down. And I just wanted to paraphrase. I'm not going to get into all this for spare time, but I wanted to just talk about um, a great example of a great man of God who doubted God. And uh, there's a lot of them. There's many. But I wanted to pick this one particular one because It really spoke to me about what what I personally have been dealing with. And that one is in Matthew 14, 22, um, when Jesus walks on the water. And feel free to turn in there, but I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to do scripture by scripture for time. So basically, most of you are familiar with this story. Jesus went to go pray. After he healed a multitude, he went to go pray. And the disciples got out on the boat. And needless to say, there was a storm. And they were out in the middle of the boat and the waves were tossing them to and fro. The winds were bad. So Jesus went out and walked on the water. Well, of course, the disciples were scared out of their minds. They thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It is I. And what I love is Peter answered and said, Lord, and if, it is, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And Jesus said, Come. He said, come. In other words, he called Peter out. He gave Peter the strength to do the impossible because saints, think about this. How would you feel if you went to the beach or you went to the lake and you're just enjoying the scenery and you see some dude walking on the water? Now, I'm not talking about he's on skis or he's on a surfboard, okay? Now, you can do that. But I'm talking about literally barefoot, just walking on the water, just taking a joy walk, not paying no mind to nothing. Now, come on, let's be honest. Would that not creep you out a little bit? Like, I'd be like, what in the world is going on here? I'd be concerned. I'd be like, okay, that's not normal because that's not ordinary. That's not something that happens in the natural. That's a spiritual thing. So God called Peter to do something that was impossible in the natural but possible through him. But Peter had a choice to make. He could have either sat on the boat and stayed and be like, oh, I'm scared. Or he could have operated in faith and belief and got out of the boat. But what I love about Peter is, just like we do sometimes, sometimes at first we're a little hesitant, but then we step out. We're like, okay, Lord, I see you. I know this is you calling me. But then just like with Peter, what can happen is those storms. Now, mind you, those storms were there all along. This wasn't anything new. It was there before he even got out of the boat, okay? Just like you may not have an education for something or you may not have a certain skill for something. That was there all along, but see, in God, you have the skills and you have what it takes to do it. So Peter had the power of Jesus. He had his power, his anointing on him to do this great thing that you normally wouldn't be able to do by yourself. But what happened was when he started walking on the water, Uh-oh, oh boy, boy. I spy waves. (laughs) and wind and turbulence, I spy problems. I spy issues that are trying to knock me under. And see, saints of God, you might be getting knocked under by stuff. You may sense those waves. You may feel that wind. You may feel that people turning against you. You may feel like maybe your education isn't at that level to get in that position that God called you to be in. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, And you keep walking on that water and you keep going forward and you just keep your eyes on him. Don't look at what's around you. Don't look at the natural things. Look with your spiritual eyes, saints of God. We have to look with our spiritual eyes. We can't afford to look at what's around us on this earth because if we do, we will cower into fear and we will begin to sink just like Peter did because he was trying to do it in his own strength. And I'm here to tell you, when it comes to the things of the Lord, you cannot do it On your own, I don't care how educated you are, I don't care how many degrees you have, I don't care how many people love you and appreciate you, it don't matter because if God's anointing isn't on it, guess what? It's not gonna happen. Don't be like Peter, because I know that's what I was doing. I knew God called me to greatness just like he's called all of you in this room. And I kind of, I got off the boat. Yeah, I went in the hospital. (laughs) But then those waves started coming, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And guess what? I started looking at what I could see. And what happened was I started to sink in fear. I started to sink in doubt. I started to doubt myself and what God's put in me. And see, saints of God, when you start doing that, it really hurts you. And it's again, we can't blame that on the devil. That's our own doing. You have control in Jesus' name over your thoughts. You can cast down those thoughts in the name of Jesus. But so, but so many times, we just sometimes allow those thoughts. And what happens is we start to entertain them. And then what happens is we start to believe those words instead of what God said. And that's what happened to Peter. He started sinking. But what I love about this is when Peter surrendered and he cried out to God because he knew he was in trouble. He knew he was drowning. He knew he was sinking. He knew he couldn't do this on his own. He was out there, and he needed Jesus. He needed God's help. He needed his, his direction. And so when Peter started crying out to the Lord, Lord, save me. See, sometimes that's what we got to cry is, Lord, save me. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Save me from myself, Lord, because I struggle. And Jesus immediately, he didn't just leave them and be like, no, I want you to keep begging me. No. That's what I love about God. That's what I love about him, saints of God, because, you know, the way we act, he should just leave us. I mean, I'm serious. I'm I'm so glad I'm not God. Because if I was God, ain't none of us would be here. I would have done wiped out the whole planet. Holy moly, Lord, I thank you that you are the great I am. (laughs) And I thank you for your mercy, God, your patience with us, God, because we are weak and we do struggle. But God, I thank you that when we cry out to you, you immediately extend your hand. Now, see, here's the key here. Peter reached back out. See, when God extends his hand, that's not a time for you to be like, oh, well, you know, I I, I feel kind of like I'm sinking, but Maybe if I just keep swimming, trying to do it in your own strength, guess what? You're just going to be knocked down and knocked down. And Jesus is like this. I'm here. Let me help you. I know the way. I'll guide you. Just give yourself over to me. Surrender. Give your fears. Give your anxieties. Give all your troubles to me. Let me lift you up. Let me carry you above your problems. See, he wanted Peter to walk free. He didn't want him to stumble. He didn't want him to trip. He didn't want him to fear. He just wanted him to focus on him. And when Jesus rescued him, this was so profound. Jesus said to Peter, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt me? So, why do we doubt God? Why do you doubt God? What's, what's happened to you that's maybe caused you to doubt? So we're going to go in our next slide, and this is talking about the problems with doubting. The first problem that doubting causes is we start to question with uncertainty. We start asking God, Lord, did you really say that? Are you sure, God? You know it's me you're talking to, right? Uh, I don't have the right education or degree for that, Lord. Um, I don't have the finances to start a ministry, that takes money. I don't don't have that. You know me, God. I'm lucky I can pay pay my bills now. Yeah, you start giving them excuses. Oh, I grew up in the wrong neighborhood. I'm too white, I'm too black, I'm too Hispanic, I'm too Asian. I'm too young or I'm too old. Mm. They won't listen to me, God. People never listen to me. See, when you start doing that, you're questioning him with uncertainty. Are you sure you said that? How many times have you asked God that? When he called you to do something. I know I have. I'll be honest with you. Many times I have. The second problem with doubting God is it causes distrust in God. God, this cannot be you speaking to me. When I stepped out in the past, I failed horribly. Don't you remember in high school when I had, you called me to preach, but don't you remember in high school when I had to give a presentation I couldn't even speak because I was so nervous. I thought I was going to pass out. I couldn't even get the words out. You want me to preach? I don't like standing in front of people. Somebody's got to be going crazy here. I think I'm losing my mind. You want me to preach? Are you sure? I don't know about that one, God. I, I don't like people looking at me. It's like Y'all looking at me. But see, y'all smiling. Y'all look so pretty. So, So, you know, I praise God for that. Y'all are beautiful people. But. That was how I was. Man, I hated standing in front of people. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. No, you must be calling somebody else. That's someone else's anointing. It must be a prophetic word that I need to give someone else. And God's like, no, boo-boo, that's for you. (laughs) And I'm like, no, God, take it away, take it away. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. And another thing we tend to say to God is, well, this just seems impossible. How could this ever happen to me? This just seems impossible. There's just no way. It's just too much, God. There's just no way. And a lot of times we do say that to God. Yeah. The third problem with doubting is we start to waver. See, wavering is one moment you're saying, yes, God, I believe, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, you, you know, you're walking in that faith, you walking that walk, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus, and then the next minute, just like Peter, You see the waves, you feel the wind, you see the problems, and you're like, "Mm, yeah, God, I know you kind of said that, but look at all this that's going on around me. God, if that would have been you, I would think my circumstances would be just a little bit different. I could just get a little bit of help. Can a sister get some help here? Because it just seems like nothing is going accordingly here, God. (laughs) I mean nothing. If anything can go wrong, everything's going wrong. Everything's jacked up right now. And you're just looking around, and you're like, yeah, sure, God. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you come to church Sunday, and you get a good word, and you're like, yes, God, I believe, I believe. And so you're going back and forth. <laughs> I know. I'm talking about myself here, y'all, okay? I, I was a windbag. I was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. One day I believe, the next day I unbelieve. Then I believe, then I unbelieve. And see, saints of God, he just wants us to believe. And (laughs) the Lord gave me this, and and I love this about this point with um, wavering. It would be like, see, Jesus is our friend, right? Or he should be if you're saved. He's our friend. And it'd be like Jesus comes to your house and he says, you know what? I got a better place for you than here. Where you're living This isn't your fullest potential. I need to take you somewhere. However, in order for us to go, we're going to have to go on a road trip. So so you agree. You're like, okay, Jesus. He starts revealing all these things. You get all excited. You're like, yeah, that sounds great, God. Let's go. Let's go. So you get in the car with Jesus, and at first you're obedient, and you let him drive. You let him drive. You sit shotgun, because that's where we, we should be Shotgun. We shouldn't be in the driver's seat. We need to let God drive, okay? So at first, you're obedient and you're letting the Lord drive. You're trusting Him. You're trusting that He knows where He's going and what He's doing. So you go on this road trip, okay? And at first, things seem good. But then after a while, you start to get tired. Lord, are we there yet? (laughs) Now, we've all asked that question, right? Even as kids and even as adults, when you're in a long drive, and sometimes when God has to move you, it's a long drive. You'll go through all kinds of areas. You'll go through deserts, mountains, ocean. You go everywhere, right? So Jesus looks at you, and he says, not quite yet. We still have a little ways to go, but hang on there. We're making progress. So you're like, okay, God. So you step back into faith. Okay, God, I trust you. You know what you're doing. Then a few minutes later, you start looking around. Well, well Jesus, uh, you said you were going to take me somewhere fruitful and prosperous, but uh, I'm looking around and all I see is desert. And Jesus says, that's because this isn't where I'm putting you. This is just part of the way. We have to keep driving. We have to keep looking forward. Don't look at the desert. Yes, it's there. It may very well be there, but we have to keep our eyes forward. Trust me. Let me drive. Let me take you. So we're like, okay, Jesus, I trust you. So then a few minutes later, you go down the road, and you hit some mountains. And it's swervy, and it's wavy, and you're all up and down. And you say, well, dang, Jesus, I don't remember you saying any mountains being here. Where in the world are you taking me? This is crazy. This this isn't the way, Jesus. This can't be the way. What in the world? This is supposed to be a smooth ride. There's not supposed to be twists and bumps and turns. And Jesus says again, trust me, my child. I know where I'm going. We must go this way. There are things to learn. But even along the way, we have to keep our eyes straight ahead. Oh, and then what can really happen is as you continue on the journey, sometimes you could get down in the valley. And even though that's flat, it's dry and it's hot and it's not a fun place to be. And then you start saying to Jesus, dang, Jesus, you know, we just passed a town a few miles back and now you got me way down in this valley. What in the world are you doing, Jesus? You missed it. Back there was where we needed to be. And Jesus said no. I have something better. Well, no, God, I, I, I just don't believe that. There, there's just no way. We shouldn't be in this valley. There's just no way. We need to turn around. And Jesus said, no, we don't look back. We keep going forward. So you tap into your own strength and you say, pull this car over. And you have the audacity to get out of the car, remove Jesus from the driver's seat, and then you try to get over in the driver's seat, and you try to make him rod shotgun, and let me tell you something, if I may just say this, and I don't mean to bash anybody, but I'm just saying you've all probably seen these bumper stickers, Jesus is my co-pilot. If you have that on your car, you need to remove it. I don't care if you have to replace your bumper, your back window, I don't care what you gotta do. <laughs> Jesus is not your co-pilot, he is the pilot. I see that i'm like i'm like do you not understand what you're saying children of god in other words what you're doing is you're putting god beneath you no no boo boo he's god he is not beneath you you're supposed to be beneath him submitting unto him crying out to him seeking him it's not the other way around he is god he is a great i am he's not your co-pilot He's not riding shotgun with you. No, you ought to be the one riding shotgun. You should be the one going along for the ride. Because Saints of God, we don't know what the heck we're doing. And every time we think we do, boy. And that'd be like you, you get in that driver's wheel and you try to go back to that town because it looked prosperous. But then you go back and you see, well, this ain't such a much. This kind of dead here. I thought it was more than that. What in the world? So you try to go back the way Jesus originally took you, but you get lost. You go the wrong way. You start hitting construction zones and roads that are dead ends. And then you get stuck in traffic circles and you go around and around and around. And eventually you get tired and you look over at Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need your help because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost, I need your help. And when you do, Jesus will say, pull the car over my child and let me back in my seat. Jesus wants to take you on the ride, saints, but are you going to be a good riding partner or are you just going to try to be in the way? Wow. Then, <laughs> the fourth problem with doubting God is fear. Oh, boy. ooh, that's a big one there. How many of you would say you've struggled with fear before? Oh, yeah. See, fear is one of those things you don't want to take lightly. It's one thing to feel nervous at times, but it's a whole other thing to live in fear. See, fear causes those big what-if questions. What if I step out and fail? What if I make a mistake? What if people reject me? What if my family and friends turn on me? Well, saints of God, all that is is what-ifs. But that doesn't mean that is. Mm, But so many times... When we look at what we can see with our natural eyes, just like Peter, the problems, the weight of this world. See, we don't put our rest. We don't rest to God, right, Elder Diane, like we're supposed to. And we allow those problems, we allow those waves, those storms, those trials, those tribulations to weigh us down. And what happens is it causes great fear. And you start going further down, down, down down. And this isn't a dance of how low can you go. You don't want to go low like that. You don't want to be so in depth in fear that you can't rise back up, okay? We're not doing that kind of dance, okay? Not when it comes to the Lord. He wants us to be lowly and humble, but not weighed down by problems, okay? (laughs) Okay? But see, fear, that's what fear does. It weighs you down with the what ifs. And Lord, I'm scared. I'm scared. I can't do this, God. I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. And when you do that, what can happen is you can fall into a spirit of fear. And God gave me this word, and I believe this is going to bless you. Max, if you will put it on the screen for me, I'd appreciate it. Fear is a form of a spiritual paralysis. The spiritual paralysis of fear can cause you to become numb spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. This in turn will make you powerless instead of powerful in your walk with the Lord. If you continue to allow fear to cause paralysis, then you'll become incapacitated and unable to move into the things that the Lord has for you. We cannot be powerful and fearful at the same time, saints of God. And if you're paralyzed with fear, then that means you're you're just standing there. You won't move. You're just shaking in your own boots. And the sad thing is God wants to use you. He wants you to take up your mat and walk. And faith, but the problem is you're too busy laying there pr- and paralyzed by fear and not wanting to move. And God's like, no, this isn't where I want you to be. This isn't where I'm calling you to be. Stop fearing me. Stop doubting me. Rise up, my child. Receive what is yours. So now that we looked at our problems, let's look at the responses of doubt. Our responses should be, do not question with uncertainty, but trust God and believe that if God said it, then it is so. And I I want you to take pictures of this because I want you to be encouraged through this, and I want you to speak these scriptures out loud to yourself, especially when you're dealing with fear or you're dealing with doubt. Numbers 23, 19 said, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not make it good? What about Isaiah fifty-five eleven? It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing which I've sent. It to." saints of God, God cannot lie. And if he said he's gonna do something in your life, he's gonna do it. It don't matter what it looks like right now. That's what we have to do. We have to stop looking at what we see right now. And I know that's easier said than done. Saints, I'm trying to work this out myself, so please don't, don't sit there and think, oh, listen to her, she act like she got it all together. No, I don't. We're, we're helping each other out. I'm no better than you, Saints of God. I struggle just like you. I have doubts just like you. I have fears just like you. I have times when I waver too. So we're all in this together. The next one is stop distrusting God. Instead of distrusting, stop distrusting God. Choose to trust and have faith in him regardless of how things may look. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, and we already read this, but we need to read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. He's not going to leave you, saints. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's got you. Just trust in him. Not halfway, because there is no half trust. Again, you either trust or you doubt. So trust in him with all your heart so that doubt cannot set in. The third response, uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Take the wheel, Jesus. (laughs) Well, I'll just go, I'll just say it while they're getting it up. Um, The third one is, whoop, you got it. Just the next one. There we go. Praise the Lord. Give them a hand. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, guys. So the third one is refuse to waver by standing firm and believing that God will do what he promised, even if it seems impossible. In Romans 4, 20, 21, this is Abraham. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that's God, what God had promised, That God was able to perform. See, saints of God, he didn't allow what he saw to stand in the way. But instead, he was strengthened in his faith. Instead of being overpowered by fear, he was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, being full of praise, and being convinced that God will do what he promised he would do and that he is able to perform it. Mark 9.23 said, Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So saints of God, all things are possible through Christ if we just believe. But if you're not believing, you can't expect to receive anything from God. Then the fourth one, do not allow fear to hold you back. Instead, choose to operate in boldness. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't you know, saints of God, that no matter where you are, you got an army of angels that got your back? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But so many times we walk around because of fear and because of problems in our life, we walk around weak. We walk around weak. And saints of God, that's not a posture that we should have. But the only way you can stand tall is by believing in him and keeping your eyes on him. Because it's in his strength that you can stand. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, when you trust in God, you shouldn't be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. You just shouldn't be one day I believe and then one day, oh, I don't know. Then I believe, then I don't know. Because, saints of God, that just makes you unstable. That causes mixture, doesn't it, pastor? you you trying to tie belief in with fear and doubt, and you can't do it, saints. It's one way or the other. And if we could just fully submit to God and stop allowing our flesh to rule and our natural eyes to rule our hearts, oh, my goodness, we could do so much more for the kingdom of God, because it's ours. He's given it to us. We just have to step in it. We just have to believe in it. So as I'm starting to wrap this message up, I just want to ask you, why do we doubt God? What are your reasons? Is it because God called you to do something that seems impossible, and that just seems like there's no way you could ever do it? Is it that we don't feel qualified? Maybe you don't feel you have that education that it takes or that money or that position to be able to do what God called you to do. Or maybe a big problem is we don't see our worth in Christ. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're too busy looking at our past. We were abused. We were bullied. We were ignored and overlooked. And I know that's where a lot of my problems have stemmed from. It's from a lot of abuse and being bullied and ignored and pushed around on my life. I was the kid with the learning disability, and I'm not saying this for you all to feel sorry for me, because you don't need to feel sorry for me. I'm not looking for pity, I'm just sharing with you my heart and and some of the things that I had to go through, because I'm hoping that it will help somebody else. I was severely bullied. I was held back two grades in school. And of course, I hit puberty before everybody, so I'm like a tower above everybody. And the kids picked on me. And, of course, I was kind of slow. I just, I couldn't keep up with, with school. And so that really even made me more of a target. And at home, there were some situations going on, too. And with everything going on as a child, it was like I just gave up. And so I was told by a lot of my teachers that I was a nothing, that I would never do anything, that I'm a failure, that I would probably drop out of high school if I even made it to high school. I mean, I even had teachers bullying me. And for so many years of my childhood, I felt like a nobody. I tried to take my life when I was 11 years old because I just didn't even see a reason to live. And that wasn't the first time I had tried to attempt suicide. I tried to take it several times because I was believing what other people were saying to me and saying to God, when people, when you keep hearing the same stuff about yourself, and I don't care if it's happening right now or in the past, when you keep hearing stuff and hearing stuff and hearing stuff and hearing stuff, what can happen is it, get, it hurts you deep, and sometimes you can be doing good. You can be moving along and then all of a sudden that word just, you know you're a nobody. What are you doing preaching the gospel? You're illiterate. you got a learning disability. What, what are you doing? What, how dare you think that God could call you in leadership in the hospital? And I've had dreams and visions of leaders coming to me, asking me my advice. What makes you think you could ever do that? Nobody's going to listen to you. You were always the baby growing up. You know, and, that, and that's some of the things that, that I deal with, saints of God, in, in my own heart and in my own mind. But saints of God, just because people have said things about you doesn't make it true. What matters is, what does God say about you? What did God say to you? Because, see, in God, he loves you. You are a masterpiece. You are filled with passion and with purpose. He didn't create, create you to be on this earth to be made fun of. To be tortured, to be abused. And saints of God, if you went through a similar thing like that, let me just say, from my heart, I'm very sorry that you've had to go through so much pain. And some of you may have different stories. And my heart goes out to you because I do understand. But saints of God, we have to get to a point where we say, you know what? Yeah, maybe I was told I was a nobody. Nobody. Maybe I was told that I was ugly. That was another thing people would always say to me. My sister was, like, beautiful. She was, like, prom queen beautiful. And I just, as a kid, I just really wasn't. I I just looked ordinary, I guess. And the kids would always say to me, why can't you be beautiful like your sister? You're so ugly. Why does your hair look like that? Why can't you be smart like your sister? She makes straight A's. You can't even pass the fifth grade. And words like that, especially when you're at that age, they, they just cut you so deep. And that's why we have to be careful what we speak to our children. Yeah. Amen. If you cannot speak life-giving words, then shut your mouth. Right. Just shut your mouth. Don't say Because once you say it, guess what? It's out there. Yep. And you never know how much your words can either tear down or build people up. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you're either going to speak life into your children and to everybody or you're going to speak death. And saints of God, as men and women of God, we have to check our own hearts because whatever is in your heart is what's going to come out. And if you're speaking death to yourself, guess what? You're going to speak it to other people right. because you can't give what you don't have. If your well is full of rocks, then you're just going to give out rocks. You're not going to give out living water. <sighs> don't ever feel guys, that you are unfit for God to use you. Don't ever allow fear, and I know that's difficult at times, but don't ever allow fear to stand in your way. When I had to get up here today, I was so nervous. I was fidgeting constantly. I didn't even want to go into the office before because I'm like, I was telling pastor when I go in there, I feel like I'm in the hot seat because I know it's coming, so I'm like, I'm like this. So I do feel fearful at times. I do feel nervous getting up here, but saints of God I chose to say, you know what, God? I may not know what I'm doing in my own self, but God, I thank you that you know. And I thank you, God, that what you gave me to study is gonna help somebody. And even if it just helped me, praise God, I'll take it. Because I need it. I need it, saints of God. And sometimes also we can doubt God because we feel we're too young or we're too old. And that reminded me of Sarah in Genesis. Many of you are familiar with that story too, where God and and two angels were speaking to Abraham, and Sarah could hear on the other side of the curtain. And God prophesied to Abraham and said that by this time next year, Sarah will bear a child. Well, Sarah laughed with doubt within herself, and Sarah said within herself, I'm too old. I'm way past uh, childbearing years. In other words, she just couldn't believe it. But the Lord knew what she was thinking. He heard it in his spirit and he said, why did Sarah laugh? And why did she say those things? That she's too old. And the Lord replied and he said, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for God? I don't think that it is, saints of God. You know why? Because the word says it. So I want to encourage you, Because this is, I hear a lot of older people and even young people saying, I'm too young or I'm too old to do this. But you know what, saints of God, it don't matter your age. God can still impregnate you with a gift, with a purpose, with a passion, and with a power to do things beyond your imagining. You're never too young or too old. As long as you're living, God's got a purpose and a plan. There's somebody that needs what God's put in you. Don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever think that because you're retired now that that means that you, you can't do anything. You can't go on that missions trip or you can't start up that ministry. Because let me tell you something, if God put it in you, you can do it. And don't get discouraged by other things that you see, saints of God. As I'm closing this up, I want to encourage you, don't allow what you see with your natural eyes. Don't allow the naysayers and the stuff of your past and your own thoughts and your own flesh and And the problems that you're facing in life determine your worth and determine what God said, whether it's true or not. Because saints of God, it is true, whether you want to believe it or not. It is true. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. So it's time that we stop doubting and start believing. This is what God's saying to you. It's time, my children, for you to stop doubting me and start believing that if I said something, I will make a good in your life. That if I called you to do something, I've already given it to you. All you have to do is step out. Keep your eyes on me. Believe what I said. Don't look at what's around you, but just keep looking straight ahead. And just this one thought. If you go to the last slide, please. If we never struggle in believing that each and every morning the sun will rise, then why do we at times struggle to believe that the sun, capital S O N, has already risen in our situations? We believe that, right? You know the sun will come up every day. Even if it's cloudy and raining, you may not see it. But you know that sun's there. Those clouds are removed. The sun's there. But God has already risen in your situation, saints of God. Sometimes you cry crying out, oh, God, rise up. And he's like, I already did. I need you to rise up. You're the one that needs to rise up. You need to stop sitting there on your gifts. You need to stop sitting there in fear. You need to get out of your wheelchair and walk. You're not paralyzed, saints of God. You're not lacking. You're not limp. You're not lame. You're not deaf. You're not blind. Not spiritually. God's called you to greatness, saints of God. And we can't get to the next level with God as long as we're allowing fear and doubt to control how we see things. If we want a revival being stirred up, we, we can't doubt. We can't doubt, saints of God, and it's high time that we be delivered from doubt, that we be delivered from fear, that we be delivered from things of our past that keep hurting you over and over again. Cast your cares on him, just like Elder Diane said. Rest in him. He's got you, saints. He's got you. Just know, just know that it will work out. Know that God is not going to let you fall or fail as long as you keep your eyes on him. That's all we have to do. Just keep your eyes on him. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's Change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.